Hi, everybody. This is What's It Like Podcast with Stacy and Emily. I'm Stacy, And I'm Emily. Welcome to podcast number two. I, I'm so excited. This has been so fun so far. So, yeah. yeah, we posted our, la- our first podcast ever last Friday, and it's now Wednesday. And you guys, 200 of you have listened. We are floored. We, were, we would have been excited if 40 people Oh yeah, totally. to listen to the podcast. But the fact that so many of our friends and family have listened and more importantly, reached out to us via text and email yeah. just to tell us that they enjoyed it and that they're excited about listening. That's super encouraging, super. you guys. It was just, it's been awesome. Even so, just in the you. last like five minutes while we've been sitting here, my cousin Mike texted and our friend Alyssa put on our Instagram that she was listening. And I just feel like those have been super encouraging to us. So Friday we tried to, no, we tried to post it on Wednesday, but we didn't know that iTunes takes a couple days. They like listen to it. Yep. They have to make sure you're not using profanity or hate language, which is smart, but we were like, Oh, okay. It's taken too many days. So I took Hannah out for, she's my daughter. She's child number three. I took her out for ice cream after school on Friday and all of a sudden she found the podcast on iTunes and I was like ah, I called, <laughs> called Stacy and I'm like it's live and so Hannah and I sat at Artie and Ed's um it's this awesome little place in Oshkosh where they'll skate your ice cream up to your car we sat and ate uh, turtle sundaes and cheese curds and listened to the whole podcast that is awesome in our car it was awesome and Emily texted me I was at Jones Park in Oshkosh with my youngest son Oli and his buddy they were playing. I'm trying to figure out how to find it on my podcast app. It's not working at first. Finally, I get it. And just that feeling of, oh my gosh, this is real. Yeah, like we were scary. doing this was really scary, but mega exciting. And I proceeded to walk around the entire perimeter of the playground listening to the podcast, That's completely awesome. ignoring my son, which was fine. <laughs> he didn't really care. But it was just, I, yeah. will, I feel like I'll always remember that moment of like, wow, this is real. I texted my husband. He and my son listened to it on the way to a soccer match and yeah, texted a bunch fun. of girlfriends. And just we are really, really appreciating the support and the feedback. And it just makes us so excited, guys. So thank you so much. Yes. Super, super fun. So we're really excited. Today is our first real storytelling podcast where we're going to tell you what's it like to be, we're, we're loosely calling this one a college student today. Yes. Right? Yes. We interviewed Emily's daughter, Ellie, who is a freshman in college. And Ellie came into this podcast knowing this was practice. Like we just needed... Yeah a really safe person to practice podcasting with in case we really messed it up. Yeah. Um, and she was such a good sport about it. So it was awesome to have her. It was. And we didn't really intend to put this one out to the world, but we ended up loving our conversation with her so yes. much. And I feel like she was really quite honest about what it's like to be a college student today and about herself too. Yeah. And her story that For she sure. told that we I decided to give it to you guys because we really, really ended up enjoying it. Absolutely. And Ellie's a great, um, she just speaks very well. And like Emily said, she's super honest. There's going to be parts of this podcast that if you've Mm -hmm. got a daughter or any kid that age, um, probably very relatable to you and also maybe... Oh, a little bit hard to hear some of the stuff. So totally, I, I was going to say it like makes my armpit sweat. Is what I was going to say. Well, and as your her mom, I give yeah. you total props for being willing to put this out there. Well, she's Ellie. This is the best part about Ellie. She is honest always, mm-hmm. and 
delightful. And I, I totally love her in her heart. I, I have no hesitations about you knowing all of Ellie. But you know, when your daughter talks about posting a swimsuit picture on Instagram <laughs> and we're putting it out on a podcast, my armpits did get a little sweaty. Yes. Well, and I can attest to the person that Ellie is. I've known her for years. She babysits my kids. She dog watches our dog and she's just a really, really awesome person and awesome kid. And she has a lot to offer this world. So we were really grateful, Ellie, for you giving your time to us and um, letting us kind of test our podcast chops on you. Yeah. You guys will notice in this podcast that our sound is not amazing. At that point in time, we only had two microphones. Yeah. We just really wanted to start slowly on buying a bunch of stuff for the podcast. Not sure how much we would do it and if we would love it, in which it's turned out that we do love it. Yeah. So bear with us on the sound issues. Yeah. You're so going to hear and I shared a microphone for this one. That's so right. we're quieter. Ellie is the best part of the podcast and you can hear her just fine. That's right. So just know that we're working it out. We think we have one more interview where we shared or maybe two more where we shared a microphone. Yeah. So we're going to be a little quiet, but now we've got, we've got enough going forward. I think that our sound is going to be better. Yes. And just turning your volume up in your car or on your phone or yeah. however you listen to it will help as well. So Thanks for your patience with that as we work out all of our podcasting kinks. Yeah. So we're going to jump into Ellie. A couple things we're going to talk about today. A little bit more about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. That's something we referenced in our intro about it's an ancient personality test we referenced. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Ellie will explain her number a little bit more. Yep. We'll talk about what's it like on the college campus today. Yeah. What's the culture and climate there? Uh, social we hit media. On social media a lot, actually, yep. which I think any parent of teenager and above you guys will want to hear this and you'll identify with a lot of this too. Um, so I think there's lots of awesome tidbits and takeaways from this podcast. We hope you guys enjoy it as well. Yeah. So picture Stacy and I um, on chairs right next to each other, literally sitting on top of each other, sharing a microphone and Ellie across the room all by herself in her own chair with her own microphone. Yes. And just picture that as you listen to this podcast today. Hey, we love you guys already. Thanks for listening. And uh, here's our conversation with Ellie Rigg. Welcome to the podcast, Ellie. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we woke up this morning and our original person that we were going to interview for our very first interview on the podcast couldn't make it. So I woke Ellie up and I said, hey, after your dentist appointment, do you want to come be our first guest on the What's It Like podcast? And she enthusiastically said, of course. Of course. <laughs> awesome. So, Ellie, tell us a little bit about who you are. Um, I am a freshman at un the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Um, I lived in Oshkosh, obviously, <laughs> before I went here for high school um, and middle school and part of elementary school. I am, my major is a mouthful, so I'm pre-law with a global security degree and a possible double minor in Mandarin and Spanish. So I'm going to school for a long time. So you got your smarts for me is what no, you're saying. Yes. What's absolutely. the possible double, man, yeah. double, double minor? Mean? Is this that you're considering um, it? Yeah. So I'm for sure doing a minor in Spanish because okay. I came in with a ton of Spanish credits. So I'm pretty far ahead. Okay. Um, but it takes a lot of, lot, of, lot of semesters of doing a language in order to be able to get a minor in it. So Mandarin is just a possibility. Is Mandarin hard? It sounds like it would be hard. Uh, actually, I haven't started yet, but I sat down with my advisor this week to talk about fall semester, and I'll be signing up for the Mandarin classes for next semester and then taking a semester off of Spanish. So tell us what global security is. 
so <laughs> I'm kind of figuring out as I go, but global studies is kind of the main umbrella at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and there's six different tracks you can take, so urban development, which is more city planning, um, global health, so it's just a bunch of different tracks you can take that focus on different aspects, but making it more um, globally focused, so I'm a global security track Um, which means I'm more government work, foreign policy, government affairs, stuff like that. Um, I really want to work in government, not necessarily as a politician, um, but definitely working in government, doing something that affects the world. Like a spy. Like, (laughs) absolutely like a spy. Being a spy in China with your management. Yeah. Don't let this out on the world wide web. They'll probably never let you in the country. So you don't plan to be a spy, but... But... So what inside of you feels like it'd be fun to work for the government um I probably part of my Enneagram I'm an eight on the Enneagram so I like having more official leadership roles so obviously government leads the country and so if I have the ability to make decisions um pretty quickly without having to wait for everyone to put their input in I would love to be able to do that um, hopefully I make good decisions, but For sure. <laughs> definitely along those lines. I like being a leader. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So really quick, I think we mentioned last week, maybe the Enneagram, but the Enneagram is an ancient personality typing system that gives you a number that speaks to your internal motivations and how you view the world and see the world. And Stacy and I are into it. And henceforth, we've made our kids <laughs> get into it. And so, um, our numbers are now our names basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now we refer to our kids by their Enneagram number. No, I'm just kidding. We try not to, but it's been very insightful for us as we've in our friendships, yes. in our marriages, in our kids' relationships, to figure a little bit about more of the inside of what's going on. So Ellie comes out as Enneagram 8. I mentioned you on our introduction <laughs> podcast last week as yes. being similar to Stacy's husband. and Who's also an 8. Also an 8. <laughs> and being somebody who's not afraid of confrontation, mm-hmm. uh, willing to... Uh, I said that you, since you've been a kid, have never been able to shy away from... Not an argument, but... Oh, no, I love an argument. Well, that too, but... (laughs) We'll just call it what it is. You can't shy away from conflict. Like, you just physically can't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, you feel more at peace in conflict, right? Or, like, through conflict. (laughs) Yeah. So, tell me, what's it like to be somebody who can't handle (laughs) avoiding conflict? Yeah. Um, I think whenever I'm in a social situation, if I see somebody being mean to another person, I can't not at least give the person that's being rude a look. <laughs> um, there was one time we were in the car together. My mom and I were in a car together and somebody got in an accident right next to us. Like somebody hit them from behind. And I saw the lady who got hit just like swearing up a storm in her car. And the guy felt super bad. So I made her pull over in a parking lot so we could watch and make sure she didn't like do anything wrong to him even because it was just an accident. So stuff like that where like I feel the need and always do defend the person that's like the little person I guess kind of the underdog yep Mm -hmm. um not because they need it but because I hate somebody who's a bully so Mm -hmm. even though how did being an eight when you look back now in your friendships as you were growing up Mm -hmm. how did that inform friendships affect friendships Mm -hmm. yeah speak about that yeah Um, I've actually had a lot of problems with this um, because my personality is to, if I see something wrong, I'm going to call it out. Um, And a lot of times people don't like being called out for things. I don't even like being called out for things. Mm -hmm. So I've never 
honestly, I've never had a friendship that's stuck for a long time just because not many people can handle an eight's personality. Um, so one of the things I actually had somebody message me a long time ago when I first found out about the eight, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying a lot of times you will feel alone. So you have to find somebody that's going to be willing to mentor you and stick with you through that stuff because not many people are willing to stick with an eight. Um, so that's something, especially within the last, like within my junior, senior year of high school, um, and then into college, just figuring out like who's willing to stick with me because I have, not necessarily a strong personality, but a personality that's willing to, like, fight for things. So mm-hmm. that's been interesting to see. Do you feel like you get misunderstood in that a lot? Yeah. Yeah? All the time. Um, there <laughs> was a situation a while ago in high school where <clears throat> some girl, obviously it's the girls, <laughs> um, I thought she was being not, she wasn't in the right with a situation, so I called her out on it. And then as soon as I called her out on it, I thought everything was fine because we ended fine. And then as soon as we left, she just started telling people that I was lying and stuff like that. So just because I guess this is my interpretation of it, she couldn't handle what I was saying or calling her out on. She felt the need to smear my name, Mm. um, stuff like that. So that's happened pretty consistently throughout my childhood. So when you think on those situations... If you could go back, would you do anything different? No, because I don't. The people that I've cut out of my life or that we've lost friendship are not people that I need in my life now. Um, Especially now that I look back, I get a little bit of anxiety of looking at like, if I was still friends with those people, what would my life look like? And I'm super comfortable with not being friends with those people and being in those situations again. I think it's interesting because my husband is an eight and I am a nine and I tend to like to keep the peace and Mm -hmm. that for me when I was in high school looked a lot like um, I would avoid confrontation. I was the girl who would whisper, you know, I I had anger about Mm -hmm. it though, Mm -hmm. but instead of dealing with it, I would talk to this friend about it Mm -hmm. and vent to a friend, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. talk about the person behind their back. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my gosh, I can't believe she did this. Mm -hmm. But I was able to put a happy face on Mm -hmm. just to keep the peace. Um, Which, looking back, I don't – that was clearly not a good way to handle Mm -hmm. it. And I have a girlfriend I'm thinking of who was probably an eight as well. And she Mm -hmm. and I, even in college, would butt heads Mm – it would frustrate her because it felt like I was unengaging yeah. to her um, and I wouldn't acknowledge her feelings. And for yeah. me, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm walking on eggshells around you. There's no room mm-hmm. for error with our friendship. Yeah. And that was exhausting to me. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it often looks like I don't have emotion because I the way I say things comes off very direct and I'm not gonna I hate when people sugarcoat things so I'm not gonna sugarcoat things mm-hmm. I think my sister probably feels a lot of that sometimes because I feel the most open talking to her mm-hmm. um but definitely like she probably feels like she's walking around on eggshells with me just with how I interact with her where I feel like I'm doing it like calling her out on something or saying something that's good for her in the future but her personality doesn't receive that in the same way that I'm I think I'm saying it mm-hmm. so. are you aware of that when it's happening uh, um that's a good question um probably but I've I'm not gonna change that in the moment I don't like changing 
like that. So you're arrogant also? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, and I do think there's a piece of that with eights where sometimes just winning the argument can take front and center. I mm-hmm. think the maybe what starts the conversation comes from a really true good place, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then sometimes in an effort to get the point across, I'm thinking of my yep. husband right no, now. Yeah. All of a sudden mm-hmm. that trumps anything else. Yeah. And my husband, I know, will miss social cues from people he's <laughs> talking to of these people who are now on the borderline of getting offended mm-hmm. or hurt feelings. And he's missing this because he just wants them to understand mm-hmm. why he's saying what he's saying or mm-hmm. where he's coming from or what the problem is. Yeah. So then in that, if you are friends with somebody like you or Lauren long enough, I like one thing I appreciate about both of you and I appreciate a ton about Lauren is that you guys are, you're willing, you're actually teachable and willing to change your mind mm-hmm. if somebody's willing to stick it out with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but you doesn't come across that way. Like it comes across like you already have made up your mind. Yep. I think, you know, Lauren comes across like he knows, but, but really when you're engaged and you push back a little bit, you guys are willing to have a conversation, but I think the, lots of people are scared of, of going yep. there, mm-hmm. don't you think? Like, yeah. Just like and a, that's uh, a good, that's actually a really good point. And he's also will he he will say sorry much more readily than I give him credit for now that I think back on things like that. If mm-hmm. he feels like you know, if it if he is aware he's gone too far, pushed too hard, or just gosh, sometimes I'm like, just say it differently. <laughs> say oh. the same thing, just say it a little differently. What do I say to you all the time? Like your tone of your voice. Tone of voice. <laughs> your tone of voice matters. <laughs> yep. What you're saying is right, but your tone of right. voice matters a ton. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. That is, it's hard. I appreciate people like you because I feel like you're willing to actually have a real mm-hmm. conversations. Like when it comes push to shove, people like me will just, uh, I would avoid the argument for sake of like, I don't want to have the painful thing, so I will just turn to fun or turn to something mm-hmm. else to avoid it. But then in the end, that's not real friendship or that's mm-hmm. not real relationship if you're not. So as much as I struggle when we're butting heads or when I see you fighting for something that I'm like, oh, but you're not seeing, mm-hmm. like, you're not seeing how you're coming across. Like, it's a struggle for me to be mm-hmm. like, oh, Ellie, what you're saying is right, but the way you're coming across is not going to win that person over, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that you're willing to fight for it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Some of my husband's closest and longest friendships are with total opposites of him. Mm-hmm. They are the men who would be described as very kind, very easygoing, and I think they appreciate exactly what you just said about Lauren. They almost kind of get a kick out of him, and mm-hmm. when he gets a bit much, it rolls right off their back. Mm-hmm. So those are, I'll be curious, I wonder if you can... When you hear those qualifications or those characteristics yeah. of friendship, does that sound like the kind of friend you would want? Or do you want one who's going to be more in your, like, what's the yeah. best friend for you? Um, I've actually noticed recently, so there, the four on the Enneagram is someone who, in my experience, is very, uh, they love their emotions. So they like the high highs, the low lows. My brother's like this. And I hate that. Like, I hate any emotion like if I could never cry again if I could never even feel like that excited again I would love that like I just don't like my emotions oh my gosh if I have like something to look forward to the next day like we're going somewhere so so fun I hate that I like want to just fall asleep comfortable I don't want to have to like think about the excitement yeah oh that's That's so funny funny. well okay so then last night we Ellie and Mark and I went to the Milwaukee Bucks game last night Mm -hmm. which P.S. 
Also, I love the NBA. So if we can get some NBA stars on here, to yeah. interview, we'll <laughs> take you. So great. Um, particularly Giannis Antetokounmpo, we'll take uh, yeah, you. I'll, yeah. Um, but we went to the game last night, and it was a super fun night, just the three of us. Ellie's home on spring break. That's why we got her here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, like, leaned over in this, like, t- in this tone of voice. You are like this. You were like, this was a really fun night. It was a super fun <laughs> night. And I was like, <laughs> I actually think Ellie had a super fun time. I was time, super excited But to you're be not there. like, this was so fun. Right. And you're like, this was yeah. a really fun night. Thank you. <laughs> and so do you have to, like, suppress excitement? Or is that natural? I just don't like I just shove it down. Shove it down. Shove all of them. Okay. Oh, yeah. All the time. Um, <laughs> but where were we? So is the yeah, perfect sorry. friend Friends. for you? Yes. So I've actually noticed I've done the Enneagram test with some of my friends in college. And then <clears throat> just because I want to get to know who they are a little bit more. Um, but two of my best friends are fours on the Enneagram. So people I was like, I'll never talk to a four. I never want to be around a four be- just because of their high highs low lows I don't like that and then two of my best friends at school guy and a girl are both fours and I at first I was like you guys are fours and then I was like but you're my best friend so there's some part of that I don't I haven't thought about it a ton but some part of that maybe is like there's a balance of they teach me to how to have those emotions and Mm -hmm. I teach them how to maybe if they have pictures of their ex on their phone after a long time, I'm like, all right, let's get those off. But some of them, when if I'm going through a breakup, they're able to show me, like, you can you can cry about it. You can process it. Right. Um, so a little bit of the balance of that mm-hmm. stuff. The opposite, again. Yep. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. <clears throat> so Ellie's, one of her good friends, Jess, was at her house a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe it was over Christmas break. I'm not sure. But she was... <laughs> I, yeah. We, I asked her, what's it like to be friends with, with Ellie? They were having some other sweet mate girl college <laughs> drama going on. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it was interesting because she said, I just decided, and, and she's a four, right? Mm-hmm. So she's not a confrontation person. She loves emotions. She said she figured out early on that she would never lie to Ellie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So she's like, I just figured out I will never lie to you. Like, even if it's painful... Mm-hmm. I will tell you the truth because she could tell, which is insightful of her. Yeah, to tell that you would rather have it be really hard. Yep, that feels trustworthy yep. than hedging their bets or mm-hmm. or manipulating or you know like not giving yeah. you the full truth. And so I thought that was really mature and wise mm-hmm. of her to say yeah. like, okay, so if I want to be friends with Ellie, even if I don't like the, she doesn't yeah. like the confrontation mm-hmm. like you do, but she just decided I won't lie to you, and that was a commitment which I think I saw in your face. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's trustworthy. Yeah, that's yeah. how I know mm-hmm. she's one of my best friends. She's not gonna, I, I don't know if it's because I've had a lot of problems with it in the past or just because of my personality. Like, if somebody's going behind my back, that's, that's like the worst thing you could do to me. Even if it's like a simple lie, like you didn't want to hang out with me, so you came up with an excuse. Like when I find that out, that's gonna hurt my feelings more than you just saying, oh, I don't really want to tonight. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which 95% of human beings do not operate that way. Yeah. Right? right? It's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So uh, let's talk about gen- your generation for a minute. Mm-hmm. You're at the beginning, the oldest of Gen Z. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Although you're reading a book, Stacey. the youngest of Gen Z. She's the oldest of Gen Z. Well, so, is yep. that the same as Generation I? So here's where we're not super educated because I don't really know. So there goes the Millennials... And then Gen Z in my reading. But you're reading a book that talks about Gen Ah, I. The information generation. Yes. They're the ones who grew up with an iPhone in their pocket. 
And I... And that they were the ones entering college starting in 2013. Okay. Through 2017. So there must be some overlap of Gen I and Gen Z. Because Gen Z might be like my age. Gen Mm -hmm. I would be my information. Because I didn't... I remember a time when there wasn't technology. So I wasn't... I guess I don't know. I would identify as Gen Z, but also I understand Gen I. And maybe so. we're talking in different categories. Yeah, maybe. different. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. I'm going to look into it while we continue to talk. Okay. <laughs> so one of the things I'm learning is that Ellie is the at the oldest of the next generation after the millennials, considered Gen Z. So it would be like kids born in 2000, 99, 2000, all the way down to... All I know sure. is I'm not a millennial and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Seven or eight-year-olds, right? Yeah. Uh, and part of the something that's different about your generation is that is that you've always had technology, but you just said mm-hmm. you remember a time of not yeah. having technology. But I would say I've grown up with technology. Like, mm-hmm. I remember when we lived abroad, you've got the first flip phone, and that was crazy. Yeah. But I also never remember not being able to just, like, look something up on my phone or a computer, something like that. Yeah, and then we were that family that made you wait till high school to get a phone. <laughs> and you swore up and down that you were the only one. Is that true? Yeah, I was basically the only one. Yeah, I actually think it might be true that you were the yep. only one. <laughs> it was just like one other boy. You and the, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, one boy I don't didn't know. have a phone. And you were like, and we're like, we don't care. <laughs> yep, that was painful. <laughs> that is funny, though. Yeah, I don't know. It was partially, let's be honest, it was partially financially speaking. That's why we did it. And it also felt somewhat wise but you were like the first people to be on snapchat you're the Mm -hmm. first person to be taking over instagram Mm -hmm. you speak social media like Mm -hmm. it's a huge part of what you do is that yeah yeah, oh yeah tell us what it's like to be a college student right now in this world um social media is everything (laughs) that's how you connect with people um one thing i've liked is that i can kind of pick and choose who i um talk to and who I stay connected with especially through wanting some separation from high school and just the people that are there um but social media is somewhat of a game because you want the most likes you want the most feed on your page um one thing that I actually turned off um partially just because I wasn't getting as much feed um, as a business tool on Instagram where you can see your insights. So that mm-hmm. was kind of cool to see. Like, I could see who saved my picture, who um, no sent way. my picture. Really? Yeah. Wait, I couldn't see the – You can't. You can't actually see to. who mm-hmm. did it, but you can see how many people have done it. Oh. Um, so you can see stuff like that. Um, I turned it off, actually, because I was getting less traction on my page because of it. Um but why? I do like because can people tell if you have that on or why um, that... no I think it's some formula that Instagram uses because you can pay mm. to use the business stuff but you can also not pay you just don't get some of the same stuff so if you're not paying they're not necessarily pushing your stuff out as much yeah um but I I actually liked it because I could see how much it, my stuff was getting so like if i posted a swimsuit picture so many more people would save that picture okay it was a one piece if that helps (laughs) (laughs) um i beautiful okay (laughs) um I also, words of affirmation is not my love language, so when people compliment I me, you. I hate it. You're so nice to me. Nice and curly. Super smart. Yeah, no. Your insides are just as beautiful as your But I, where was I going? Oh, swimsuit picture. That would get a lot more saves. People would send that picture more than just a picture of what we did during the day. You can save a picture on Instagram? 
You can save it. Yeah, you can save yeah. it. I save, I'll save like workouts yep. or mm-hmm. recipes, things like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're not why Gen I. Sa- why are the saves important to you? What does um, that say to you or mean to you? That means somebody liked my picture enough to save it for future reference, that they would come back to it, stuff like that. Because I save funny videos, stuff like that. Or if I like somebody's outfit, I'll save it so I can maybe replicate it in the future. So if somebody mm-hmm. saved my picture, that means they liked my content enough to save it for future reference. Because... Oh, so it makes it feel so it's kind of a okay what I just put out there was valuable to somebody yep so somebody liked it enough to go back to it because a lot of times you see it on your page on your feed you like it maybe comment then scroll up and you never see it again that's right but somebody saved it they liked it enough so that they'll come back to it more often than not I have probably zero saves. <laughs> I guarantee I have zero saves unless you've saved a swimsuit picture I put up of you oh, and then yeah. maybe you saved it for yourself. There's not a track swimsuit pictures <laughs> on your page. Um, I Okay, if you're honest, does that also feed into does it make you feel beautiful then? Or mm-hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. That's some part of um, just social media in general is like I'm not putting out pictures where I look bad. I'm not. I'm picking – out of the 35 pictures I took, I'm picking the best one. And even sometimes I don't like that one. Um, I edit the pictures. I show it to friends before I post. I send it to people. Which one do you like better? Stuff like that. Um, so that validates in your heart that you're beautiful more than oh, somebody telling you you're yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Yep. The like, okay. the heart like, or the save. Yep. It means like, oh, so there. that speaks to something that feels good to you. Yeah. Um, I put a lot of value in what I look like based on my Instagram pictures or my Tinder profile or my Snapchat You're on story. Tinder. That's the hookup I profile. I, that is what I have. That is the stigma. That's a whole nother combo. Yeah, yeah it feels awesome as a mom. I just love it. I'm so excited Your dad is on Tinder. <laughs> oh, so hey, at least I told you. Would I'm you rather know or not know? You are creepy. She claims every person she knows is on Tinder. Is that true? Yeah, everyone in college would Why? be on Tinder. Um, it's another version of Instagram and like the more people you match with, the more validation you get of, because when I, when somebody swipes right, so that means they like you, that means they found me attractive enough to talk to me or when they reach out to me, they find me attractive enough, even though they don't know my personality, they find me attractive enough. So, Mm -hmm. so it's very, can you admit or agree that it's a very surface level. Oh, it's all looks. Interaction. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's also, so how do you, f- where's the depth? Where do you get the depth from in relationships? They're, Maybe not on social media. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm not, the people that I meet on Tinder are not people that I want to date. They're just mm-hmm. people that, honestly, I'm on it. I would say for the validation of my looks, like, um, I'm not in it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't sugarcoat things. (laughs) Um, so easy to parent that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, no, but in some ways I'm looking for, do you guys think I'm attractive enough to swipe right? Do they, did the pictures I put up enough show the best sides of what I look like? Cause I'm not gonna date any of them realistically I don't Mm -hmm. know any of them and when I'm gonna date somebody their personality is what matters to me obviously looks (laughs) looks are important to be attracted yeah but if they don't have a strong enough personality a lot of times people are like oh why didn't you go after this person why didn't you and I'm like they were very nice they didn't do anything wrong but their personality didn't click for me um so that's Mm -hmm. On Tinder, I'm not really getting a ton of personality, so I'm not going to sure. go after any of them. So do you wrestle? Are you like, 
wrestling in your heart of like that your validation of of your beautiful beauty or mm-hmm. your who you are comes from the social media yeah like is there a part of you that I mean we raised you we raised you in faith so I don't know mm-hmm. if I mentioned this last week my husband and I are in ministry so I believe in my heart that ultimately like your identity comes from just who you've been created to be no matter if anybody mm-hmm. else likes you or doesn't like you but yet we all struggle we want to be liked mm-hmm. and loved by people it's a I mean I think God created us for relationships so I'm not saying that you shouldn't want validation from people but do you wrestle like do you ever feel just settled and secure no no, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone I know on social media is content or settled in that mm-hmm. um I would say there's some people who say they are but the content they're pushing out is something they want to be accepted for so like if they're saying you should accept everyone for how they look they're often posting pictures in their underwear to say like you have to accept me for my body but they know that that picture is going to get more, more feed, more, uh, more attraction like, to that even picture. Even if it's not a an attractive picture. You no, mean. if it's uh, something you would say like an overweight girl right. posting a picture in her underwear, like accept all body types. Accept all body and we're types. All yep. There's some part of that is like I kind of want you to notice me, and I'm not going to say this is every girl because there are probably some girls out there who want to say like just accept everyone for who they are because that's what we should be doing but some part of it is like those pictures are always getting more likes than the picture of them fully clothed so mm-hmm. yeah interesting i um so i'm curious about how your generation of kids that are so dialed into social media tell me what it's like I'm thinking about mm-hmm. my college experience. How are you meeting people face-to-face in college right now? And how are you building friendships there? Um, I would say class is how I make the most amount of friends. Because okay. on social media, I have the opportunity to not get together with someone. <laughs> That's not our stomach scrolling. That is a dog. <laughs> um, we have the opportunity to not get together with somebody because... You can cancel with them last minute on social media if you've never really talked to them before. Um, So in some ways, I have the opportunity to say, if they ask me to get together and I don't want to, somebody on Tinder say they ask me to get together, I don't want to, I can say, oh yeah, let me check my schedule and then just never respond to them. Whereas I am making more friends in my classes because that's face-to-face, I have to see them every day. I'm picking who I feel like is more worth my time to talk to in my classes, who... I'm not on my phone, so later on I can add them on Snapchat if I want to talk to them later. But that's honestly where the more people I talk to in person are the people I've met in person or are in class versus the people I met on Snapchat or social media. So you're, even as you say this, you're validating the claim that you get more satisfaction from the interpersonal face to face, there's that's more real. Mm-hmm. That offers mm-hmm. more benefit. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if benefits is the right word, but social media doesn't replace that, is what you're saying. Yeah, in some ways, social media gives. I mean, all the articles are right. Social media gives you that temporary high, um, high validation for how you look, what you said. But the person that's actually going to talk to you in person, who's going to make that effort to get together with you, is going to be more validation in the long run Mm -hmm. than... Mm -hmm. That's good to hear, at least, because that's my fear, Mm -hmm. is that kids don't... 
I look at my teenager and she doesn't hang out a lot with boys and mm-hmm. I'm not pushing that I'm not pushing the boyfriend mm-hmm. angle but I would love for her to know how to be friends with boys mm-hmm. and I was hanging I was friends with boys starting in grade school mm-hmm. with them and they had neighbors mm-hmm. that we were always running around with and mm-hmm. I feel like that's really changed mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that the interpersonal relationship stuff just doesn't completely go away mm-hmm. yeah it's just interesting because we didn't have it wasn't even an option to right I would go in my parents' basement to talk on the phone mm-hmm. in high school. <laughs> so right. First some privacy. Or yeah. You, or like Remember the three-way I, calling lines? Oh, and... totally. I liked this one boy, and I would like dial his number until he answered, and then I'd hang up. I, why? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't yes. analyze that too much, but <laughs> that was my, that well, was see, my social we, media. We were awkward. So there was awkward. social awkardness yeah, then, too. Yeah, true. Yeah. It yeah. is interesting. I feel like social media, though, has, is changing the game. In many mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. I like your honesty about Me it. Too. Oh, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So what happens if social media is gone? Yeah, I'm not going to stop using social media. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, like, what happens? No, yeah. Yeah, what if it say... all just went away? Like, if everyone had to stop using it, would that be easier than you just having to turn everything off on your own? Um. Yeah, I'm not going to turn it off on my own. I know that it's not necessarily the healthiest thing for me, but I also know I'm not, like, completely changing my style of living because of it. Um, I think that people are still able to have conversations. I obviously don't have anything to compare it to with your generation. I don't know how much social interaction there was regardless of social media. Um, but I think that people are still able to have conversation and, um, (laughs) um, we are we're laughing because Stacy's parents' dog is over here, and she was like seeing like a piece of dust or something. She was like <laughs> spinning, just spinning, spinning around, around, and for some and reason, or dragging her high knee. Yeah, that <laughs> also her version of a wife. <laughs> that was amazing. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, just I think people are still able to have conversations. But if social media is available, I and a situation gets awkward, I'm just gonna flip out my phone and scroll through social media. So it offers an escape mm-hmm. if things get awkward, but also sometimes that minimizes just pushing through the awkward. I love the awkward, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you do love the awkward. You <clears throat> feel awkward lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> for the I love it. Yeah, I think for me, social media poses a problem is in that. Um, I, I just see more than I ever would have seen before. So I, I know people are hanging out yes. or, you know, it makes it seem like everybody's <laughs> at this thing. And how come I'm not, how come it's a Friday mm-hmm. night and my husband and I are eating popcorn and watching Homeland and everybody is out doing this fun thing when mm-hmm. I would never have known that yeah. know, in any other generation. So oh, just yeah. wouldn't have even known. Yes. That's um, terrible. I hate it. it. it <laughs> that, that's, yeah. And no one is immune to that mm-hmm. feeling of being left out. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's benefits, too. I feel so super connected to people. Mm-hmm. I know what's going on in their lives that I would never have known without social media. So I can run into somebody I haven't seen in five years or mm-hmm. a former student, and I'll kind of know what's going on in their lives. So right. I think there's benefit. I enjoy getting awkward Snapchats from you every day. It's really fun for me. Um, you sent me That's true. <laughs> a picture. <laughs> Yesterday morning, she had Snapchatted me after I was already asleep the night before. And so when I woke up, I was going to wake up her sister and I took a picture of them sleeping in Snapchat and she thought that was really creepy. I don't it know. was creepy. Know it's creepy. weird. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, crazy. Um, what else do we need to know about your generation? What would be insightful for our friends that are listening? 
there's a lot messed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But What's the good? Give us there's, the yeah. Yeah. What are you guys good at? Um, I think a lot of... Um, I guess one thing that can be tied to politics is we are very, like, we do talk about the differences between people, but we're more likely to fight when there is injustice. We're likely to call it out, um, whether it be on social media or in person. I think that that's been really important because there's, there is a lot of, like, political correctness of, like, you have to say certain things, but a lot of things are good and, like, the racial divide in our country is pretty strong right now and stuff like that, but our generation is more likely to call that out when it's happening mm-hmm. and fight for the justice in that rather than just letting just letting it go, so. yeah. um, thinking it. Um, people are, whether it's good or bad, willing to call it out on social media, um, most of the time uninformed, <laughs> but mm-hmm. when they, a lot of times I get my information from social media and I can go fact that, fact check that, but a lot of times that's where the gen gen i just getting our information quicker um mm-hmm. and being able to form our own opinion about that yeah i think that's important this book i'm reading and your mom heard a podcast on it is called the coddling of the american mind mm-hmm. <laughs> and i should probably know who the author is for yep you keep talking i'll look it up okay and it talks about this call out culture yeah. and how People in your generation aren't afraid to engage about social justice mm-hmm. issues, call out, but that there's also this sense of, okay, if you if your stance on abortion mm-hmm. is pro-life, mm-hmm. then that means you hate me yep. because <laughs> I had an abortion. Yeah. So by default, you yep. hate me, so I hate you back. It's yep. this, you're in this camp oh, yeah. or you're in this camp. There's not a middle ground nope. anymore, and people are are becoming less comfortable mm-hmm. with being in a space with someone if they have a differing point of view. And that's creating um, just a lack of debate, especially mm-hmm. on college campuses where we need college campuses to be oh, thought-provoking. Yeah. And There's no... My friend... Sorry if I cut you off, but my no. friend, my roommate Maddie and I were just talking about this recently. Like, college... We've always been told college is the place you go to share your opinions, talk about it, but there's literally no opinions anymore. If you don't believe, especially in Milwaukee or Madison or more urban areas, Mm -hmm. liberal areas for sure, um, if you don't believe the more liberal side of things, you don't share your opinion in class. Otherwise, you are ridiculed, whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be more like thought-provoking, open-mindedness, but there's literally no open-mindedness. If you're not liberal, if you're not thinking open-minded about or open-minded with sarcasm um you're not right so Mm -hmm. it is supposed to be open-minded you're supposed to have your own opinion but you can't have your own opinion in school yeah hey doggies (laughs) Um, do you you feel like professors are contributing to that or are there some classrooms where you found professors are encouraging and then try to try to mm-hmm. protect a space for kids to disagree. Yeah, there's there's no room for disagreement. You can disagree on, so say, abortion. You can disagree on the term limits of having the abortion, but you can't be pro-life. Like, you can't, especially, I don't know if it's just more of a social thing or an education thing, but, like, you can't be pro-life, but you can be pro-choice but have disagreement on the term limits or when you can have the abortion, stuff like that. So, like, 
you can agree, you can disagree on certain things, but you can't disagree about like what side it is on because your one side is the right side and you can disagree with like different things along that spectrum, but you can't be on the other side of things. Interesting. That is interesting. So Mark Mm -hmm. and I work um, on the college campus doing campus ministry and it does feel like there are a, a group of students for sure that want to have open and healthy conversations, but it's hard to find space to do that. We, I, we've been telling Ellie, and I don't know if I told you about this, Stacy, but we've been watching this show called Grownish. Um, so there's, did I tell you about this already? No. no. So there's a show on ABC called Blackish, um, and it's a really interesting show. It's a comedy, but it's it's social commentary too, and it's a very insightful at the same time of being funny. And then they had a spin-off show. So that's about race predominantly. It's about this black family that lives in a predominantly white affluent neighborhood and how to keep their blackness in the in a white affluent world. So okay. very I highly recommend it actually. I love it. Um, and then they had a spin-off show called Grownish It's about their daughter who goes to college. So her daughter is about your age, Ellie. Mm-hmm. And um, it's social commentary essentially on Gen Z. But there was mm-hmm. an episode we watched um, last week on safe spaces. So there's like this high need to have safe spaces for your opinion Mm -hmm. um, or your whatever, your group of people. So there Mm -hmm. should be a place for you to be able to have your opinion. And um, they want to have safe spaces up until a point. But when this girl wanted a conservative, like she wanted a safe space for conservative Latinas, all her friends were like, oh, we all deserve safe space except for you. That's ridiculous. So it was just, it's Mm. this interesting social commentary. Like we want to have debate. We want to have room for... um, Opinions to a point, mm-hmm. and then yes. but there's a point where then if you're, and I'm sure this happens both sides, conservative and liberal. Um, as soon as you cross like one topic or you disagree on one of the main kind of big, mm-hmm. big topics, then we don't listen to each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think Stacy, you're awesome at this. My husband Mark is awesome at this. But you naturally see both sides, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think that's natural for most people. And mm-hmm. in fact, it, it's driving my husband psycho because he, <laughs> right, right, right? Yeah. Like he, he's like, but can't you see both sides? Right. And nobody can see both sides anymore. I mean, I, I would like to think I do, but then he points out the other side and I'm like, oh, I wasn't thinking about that at all. So. Right. People are just so in their camps. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I absolutely can see both sides. Hence why it's, sometimes it's hard for me to take a stand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Either way, because I can see mm-hmm. where everyone's coming from. Right. But I think it's sad that there's no more. It sounds like a little bit of debate or differing opinions acceptable, but only within these qualifications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating. I mean, how do you as a Christian 18, 19 year old, mm-hmm. do people that you know, are, are people that you're meeting on campus that you spend some time with, do they know that you are Christian? I would probably say no. And I would even identify more on the liberal side mm-hmm. of more conservatism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I'm like I said, like I'm willing to push back on things, but I'm not, I don't ever take a stance in a classroom setting because um, the people that do are always talked about later on do you remember when that kid talked about this Hmm. or do you remember when that kid said like something really bad like that like Mm -hmm. I would never take a stance especially because at a more liberal school people are gonna have those debates and most people aren't that informed on topics like that so it's not even worth it to have a debate in class um when you'll be ridiculed socially but also 
Hmm. Most people don't know their facts. So. Well, and you made a good point earlier that a lot of your generation gets their facts online, which, as we yep. know, <laughs> the, rea- the reliability of that information yeah. is debatable. Yeah. I find myself on social media lately having a hard time, too, because people put up people that I love <laughs> and I like love in person will post a ridiculous thing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and I and am like oh we can we can lob things out on social media really easily but stuff you wouldn't I mean you just said like you would never bring it up in class well even as soon as those people would bring like if you were to bring that post up with them they'd be like oh I just I don't want to talk about it uh-huh. so they're willing to throw it out on social media, but they're not willing to have the debate when it's a face-to-face interaction. Yeah. yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, it's easier for me to mm-hmm. say something out there mm-hmm. yes. in social media land than to say it somebody's face-to-face. That's right. Mm-hmm. For sure. Hmm. Interesting. It is interesting. Well, I think that there's a lot your generation has to contribute to the world, mm-hmm. and there's a lot you guys can teach us, and I... I'm also terrified that the future of our gen- <laughs> of our world lies in your in your generation's mm-hmm. hands. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I um, yeah. It's been really good to have you on here. Yeah. Thanks. Really quick, that book, um, "The Coddling of the American Mind," is by Greg. Oh gosh, how do you say that? Lukianov. Lukianov and, and Jonathan Haidt. Yes, it's a great book. Lots of um, just interesting studies, research, commentary on college campuses. Yeah, um, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast interviewing one of those dudes. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, any last things you think our listeners need to know about what <laughs> it's like to be friends with Stacy and I? Oh no, they're amazing. Oh they're yes. <laughs> oh, she just I said have... she doesn't BS before. Yeah, so I don't. You can just take that as true. <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, Kendall, thank for coming you for having on. me on. Yeah, I it was a treat. Love you too. <laughs> well, that was a ton of fun for me. Even as I listened back and heard uh, all the things Ellie had to say, I think, man, do I love that girl so much. I'm so glad she's my daughter. Thanks a ton for listening to this week. What's it like with Stacy and Emily? We appreciate you so much. Uh, here's a couple things. Would you do us a favor and go on your Instagram or your Facebook and follow along at what's it like with Stacy and Emily? We would love to communicate with you through that and just see if we can get the word out a little more about who we are. Also, if you're listening on iTunes or Podcast Addict or whatever you're listening on, would you do us a favor and subscribe? I think that helps people find us more easily. And if you're up for it and want to leave us a glowing review, we would take it. Thanks to a couple of our friends who have already done that. We really appreciate it. And last bit of favor for you. If you have somebody that you know who has an awesome story to tell, we would love to tell their story. Can you email us or direct message us? Our email is what's it like with Stacy and Emily at Gmail. There's no apostrophe in the what's. But email us and tell us about your friends whose stories that we need to tell. Hey, we love you. Thanks a ton for joining us on week number two, and we'll see you next week.